it's time for the Crystal Chronicles, the podcast for about Sailor Moon Crystal. And here are your hosts, Maku-chan, Seiya, Yaten, and Ranma. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special live episode of the Crystal Chronicles. We'd like to thank Anime Jam Session for postponing their episode tonight, and we'd like to thank Vogue Network for allowing this short little takeover. First off, I think Ranma has uh, some words. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I wasn't going to say anything at first, but um, I was just waiting for some proper information and so forth. Um, earlier today, um, earlier today, if a lot of us in the cosplay community lost a very good friend, uh, Danny. Um, I met her. She was cosplaying Xena from, at Katakon several years ago, but we've always kept in touch. She, I know her for her vibrant personality. Um, she always cosplayed Sailor Moon, Princess Serenity. She was an amazing person, and um, we are dedicating this episode to her memory because we're going we're going to go on. We're going to go on. We're going to shine bright and just keep going. Like, like I said, so yeah. All right. <clears throat> so tonight's podcast uh, is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we'll still be talking about everybody's favorite magical girl, Sailor Moon, but we're also going to be talking about a brand new book that will be released soon. But first up, let's say hi to our hosts, Ranma, Seya, and Yatan. Hello. Hello. So what's everybody been up to? Uh, <laughs> working. 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 Uh, can't believe you're letting us do this live. That's yeah. dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but that's busy. half the fun. Uh, yeah, we're staying busy with our business. And, and Ron was coming out this weekend, so yeah. that ought to be entertaining. We're trying to do last minute heavy stage wrap. Not going insane. Oh. <laughs> Uh, that's about it for us. Alrighty then, I'll switch it over. Oh, work has been work. Um, right now, like say Yasin said, I'm getting ready for uh, NDK this weekend. I'm pretty much packed. And because I got out of work late and I'm running around getting stuff done, I forgot to pick up my pants from the dry cleaner. So that's what I got to do first thing in the morning when I wake up. Thankfully, they're open at like, what, 7 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> so it's the little things. Uh, and that's basically has been it for me. That, besides the fact that my fridge is fully stocked with Sprite Remix and Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> We're bringing, we're bringing two more for you. I've got two more crystal Pepsi coming down. <laughs> I know, and when I get out of work, i got to swing by that, that store and pick up those Kinder Eggs for you. All right. And me, I've been working and going crazy and going crazy at work. But you already were crazy. Yeah... 
Mako got a new job. Yes, yes. Mako got a new job and is much less crazy and stressed and all of that fun crap. Because, yeah, so much better. <clears throat> anyway, you guys aren't here to listen to us and our lives and all of that. So let's introduce our special guests. Authors, <laughs> authors of a brand new book. Uh, we're going to introduce Stephen and Bonnie. Hello, glad to meet you. I'm, Hello. Oh, go ahead. I'm Steve Savage, and I first want to say we're very sorry for the community's loss. Um, very sorry to hear that, and I hope we can make this podcast something to lift people's spirits. It's one of the reasons why I do this on a regular basis, so, yeah. And hear that crowd. They love you. And um, I'm Bonnie Walling. I'm the uh, other author of the the new book. And um, I'm very pleased to be on the show. I've been listening to you guys at Crystal Chronicles, and you're awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Maybe we actually ought to mention the title of the book, otherwise people are going to wonder. Um, yes, please. What is the title of the book, and what exactly is the book about? Uh, the title is, How Did We Agree to Do This? Oh, wait, no, that's how it came up. Uh, it's it's called Her Eternal Moonlight, and it is the result of a late-night convention discussion where wouldn't it be great if, and then Bonnie and I found ourselves doing it a few months later, and we're still not sure how we decided to. And well, um, yeah, it was it was basically a case of um, we were at Fanime, which is a convention um, in the Bay Area in California. I haven't been there and, in years. Well, oh, it's it's grown. It's huge. Wow. If you want to know what it feels like to go to Fanime, climb inside a dryer and set off fireworks. <laughs> it's gigantic. But we were we were thinking. You know, we, we were talking about Sailor Moon because this was around the time that um, Crystal was in its original run. And we were wondering why hadn't anybody done a study of the fandom before? Because the fandom is chaotic and rabid. Oh, I think there was there was more to that. We wanted to see, you know, how did it impact people specifically and how it impacted women? Because we felt like, you know, a lot of attention didn't get paid to that because we knew people whose lives are deeply affected. So we engaged in a scientific process called interviewing anyone that would volunteer to be interviewed. And we started looking for patterns. And what's funny is um, we found very specific patterns to Sailor Moon fandom. Um, The book is probably 30 pages shorter because everyone kept having the same set of experiences. And it was really amazing to write. Um, We figured we'd find some things, but by the end, um, this book, of which we find nine distinct trends in Sailor Moon fandom, it really was amazing to see how the show affected people's lives and women's lives. We we went into this thinking that we were going to find extremely, you know, an extremely broad canvas of diverse experiences. What we no, found I, instead was a lot of similar experiences, but within that experiences, there was diversity in just how it affected people. Yeah, and that was just, it was just really amazing because we've seen this show around for your Bonnie and I are two um, senior geeks. I mean, 
I saw, I think we both saw Star Wars in the theater first run, for God's sake. Yes. Um, you know, not that I feel old or anything or living in Silicon Valley makes me feel aged, but um, it really was just something you can't really describe till you do it. And so what we did was we interviewed all these people. We analyzed very carefully how things, you know, what things meant to people, how they were affected by it, and wrote it up in a book, quoting everybody and referencing their stories to find like this tapestry of what Sailor Moon meant to people. And it was this incredible journey from someone who met her husband through Sailor Moon to a person that became a counselor for victims of sexual assault to people who became translators, all because of this one show coming to America. And amazingly, in many cases, in a dub that uh, to these days, people still kind of question the original Sailor Moon dub's quality. And these people's lives were changed. It was just an absolutely amazing thing to write. And I, I think we have to credit everyone we interviewed for giving us those amazing stories, Bonnie. Yes. Um, the, the book really, in some ways, the book wrote itself. Because once the fans started speaking, you know, the stories that they had to tell were just, you know, they were amazing. And pretty soon when we started to see the patterns emerging, it just sort of came together. Oh yeah, it. I mean, we were delayed. We were delayed by so many things occurring in life, from work changes to illness, and the book's probably still out about two months earlier than we figured after the delays we went through because it just came together. And um, we could give some examples if you'd like, or we can just go on about how amazing Sailor Moon fandom is. Um. No, you can give some examples. Okay. Well. The, I'd say the first thing we found that really attracted people to the show and where it made a difference was the show was incredibly different to people. Continuing plots and animation they didn't see, little moments, actual permanent death, or in Jadeite's case, basically permanent retirement. <laughs> but, uh, well, he was the James Rocket of the Dark Kingdom. He's never missed in any actual incarnation. But it, the, first of all, I have to say the show was just incredibly different, especially to people who had never encountered anime before, because it was basically this superhero soap opera with real stakes and results. And that inspired a lot of people and also got their attention and taught the media could be different. Yeah, at the time Sailor Moon arrived on American television, there really had not been anything like that before. And that is something that a lot of our interviewees said, that, you know, all of a sudden there was something where the plot continued episode to episode, characters developed, you know, there were real consequences to what people did. And not all the characters were sweetness and light on both the good guy side and the bad guy side, that everybody was like basically different shades of gray. And, yeah. you know, to kids that had grown up with your standard American kitty fair, this blew their minds. Even the introduction to the show had characters you didn't meet already. The, the opening sequence tells you there's going to be more. And uh, one person, when Nephrite died in the uh, original animated series, they you know that's when they realized that the rules were out the window. You know, um, that's two henchmen down. They're not coming back. And the stakes are real. 
and between the style, the plot, and everything, for a lot of people, this was their introduction to animation being different and thinking outside the box. And I think different almost sums up what Sailor Moon meant for a lot of women. You know, it was this incredibly different thing than the stuff you've been fed before. The only thing that America ever came close in was She-Ra. Mm -hmm. Up until that yeah. point, there were no female superheroines. Yeah. And She-Ra, I know people that remember She-Ra very fondly and the great cast of characters. In fact, the second thing that stood out for us in the books was basically um, people had not encountered a show that was all powerful women as the leads. And as I, I sum up, I, I present on this book now, I titled the, the section on that, It's Pretty Sparkly and Will Kill You, is for so many women who, especially young girls, but even sometimes teenagers and older women, they'd see the show and all female cast, all these women with powerful, it's not power that's made up from, you know, just aping traditional, you know, here's, you know, here's a character, she has a gun. No, there's power in femininity and dresses and beautiful jewelry. And the women were all very powerful by being who they were. And that one, made a difference. Sorry. One, one big point is that the show presented that there was no one way to be female. It presented such a diverse spectrum of femininity. I mean, you had everything from um, Usagi, who could be a bit of a girly girl, to uh, Makoto, who was, you know, the tough girl. And you, you had the brainy girl who, up until now, the brainy character was always, like, portrayed as the loser. And here was Sailor Mercury. She was one of the heroines. And, in fact, her brains very often were what saved the day. You know, these were characters that people could connect to on all kinds of levels because, in a lot of ways, they saw mirrors of themselves on television for the first time. Yeah, almost everyone had one character they related to out of the show because it was just such a broadcast of power. I mean, you have a cast of 10 powerful women. And that really brought home some... You, you didn't have to be any one way to be a woman and be powerful. Each way was right. Yeah, and we found out that every character connected to people in a different way. Hey. I think my favorite one was the people that would admit to relating to Chibi Yusa. Yes. Admit, depending on some portrayals, you don't always admit that. <laughs> Especially the, the original series. The original series was very different in its presentation than the manga. I, if if you consider the, the anime to be groundbreaking, the manga was even more mm -hmm. so. So... Uh, it was really nice that it made it over here. Mm -hmm. Very much different. Um, I think the manga, the manga is really even more of a fairy tale meets superhero kind of kit bash. It's Sailor Moon's thing very hard to sum up in in any terminology except say, "Here's some issues. Just trust me." <laughs> and, and speaking of issues, wow, how's that for a segue there, Bonnie? <laughs> um, one of the things, other things people liked is that the lead was very flawed. Usagi, Serena, Bunny, whatever version you're reading, the lead was imperfect, totally imperfect, just like everybody else. And, in fact, we do devote an entire chapter of the book to 
um, Usagi's impact on people. You know, because for a lot of people, this was the first time they had seen somebody on television who was not the perfect princess. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Usagi is in many ways the anti-Disney princess. You know, she is she is clumsy. She's a crybaby. Um, she's not perfect in school. She'll stay up all night reading manga instead of doing her homework. But yet, she still succeeds through the power of her heart. You know, through her her belief in herself and her friends, and that's what gets her through life. And a lot of people found that incredibly inspirational. You didn't even have to be perfect. It never said that she was wrong for being imperfect because everyone was messed up in their own way. Even the villains were almost understandably screwed up in many ways. And that was really something. But I, so many people, Bonnie, they, when they, they saw Usagi, they saw this person that just said, it's okay to screw up and you'll still get it together. And the fact that she was so friendly and cheery despite problems bonded characters together too she was always the center point of everything that's something i think crystal captured pretty well too yes it it's um i think one term we use in the book is heart-powered heroines yeah and um usagi especially but all of them are driven by emotion by positive emotions by constant belief and for young girls growing up who are going through their own struggles you know to see a character who can screw up and it's okay and her message is if you believe in yourself you can pick yourself up out of everything you know that has a deep impact I thought it was really profound, too, that when you look at the larger series and, you know, to take this back to Chibiusa in all incarnations, it even proves that in the future, Usagi and her husband aren't going to be perfect because their daughter's kind of messed up. Then they decide to outsource childcare to the past. <laughs> by and large, you expect, you know, at the end, of, once you get going with Sailor Moon, you expect a very angry man with a British accent and a blue box to turn up and yell at everyone to cut it out. We've we've talked about that. Before. Yeah, we we've had discussions about that one. <laughs> many many. So really, you outsourced your childcare to your past selves. Yeah, and I think we've actually overruled discussing timelines, and it gets gets to be quite the headache. Yeah. But yes, timeline. It's a time tumbleweed. But yeah, that would, that, it was amazing to read. Another thing that we found at Bonnie, we should also talk about the values that people talked about how the show had these important values that people related to that were very contrarian to a lot of media of the time. And a lot of women related to that. Yeah, it, it showed a lot of, um, a lot of positive attitudes toward things that you just did not have positive attitudes toward at the time in general media. Um, one of the big things was, it was one of the first things on American television, even though they tried to cover it up to be <laughs> LGBT friendly. I mean, once kids started looking behind what's going on with these cousins and they found out the truth. Cousins. Yes. <laughs> I think a lot of people did overlook the fact, though, that the Japanese did try to put a disclaimer on it. They're, they spent an entire episode 
telling Makoto that she was wrong for having a crush on Haruka because having a crush on a woman is wrong. There was an entire episode about that. Mm-hmm. So they were trying, even in Japan, they weren't that forward thinking. The manga was way light years oh. ahead. That's why a lot of the people that look into the LGBT issues actually prefer the manga to the anime because they still tried to put it under the cover in both countries. Yeah, in, in the manga, um, Mako was bi. So well, by the time Stars rolls around, Mako is bi as well. But that's why I said Mako. That's why I said. A lot of the characters it. seem to be kind of bi when you look at the oh, manga. Well, I think in the manga, everybody's bi. Yeah. <laughs> we saw the first thing Usagi says when she sees Ray is, "Oh my God, she's beautiful." Oh, I, I remember. It's like, wow. I mean, it's just <laughs> let's jack up the bi here. Yep, um, yep, yep. That's why I found it. I found it amusing that you know, despite the homophobia against lesbianism we have the special movie where fiore comes back to pick up his friend it's like <laughs> quotation marks uh-huh. wow i mean let's turn this up to 11 here people but yeah the show's the show despite that you know the the pro the acceptance of sexuality was there the villains were often very sympathetic it was a show about love and not cruelty it was an right. action show where people loved each other and yeah, it wasn't well, Smackdown. One important one important thing about Usagi is she will not destroy a villain if she can heal the villain. Mm-hmm. In the anime. In, in the, the anime. anime. Yeah. In the anime. <laughs> <laughs> a more. In the manga, however. For <laughs> death and destruction. Very brutal. Well, she they don't give her an option. That's true. Yeah, she doesn't enjoy it really, and that. No. That, Lack of emphasis on cruelty was important to a lot of people in the show and the rest of the series, and that she is not a cruel person. Many of the characters are not cruel. They can sometimes be mean, petty, and make mistakes. But that's the point of the show, that everyone's a little bit screwed up. And there's uh, possible redemption for people. Even if you make a mistake, you can, you can find redemption somehow. Yeah, though Professor Tomoy was one creepy bastard. Let's all admit <laughs> That is one villain who in most incarnations clearly owns a van marked free candy. <laughs> because especially the crystal arc, I'm like, man, I've rarely wanted to punch an animated guy go so much, but this is this is up there with wanting to reach for the screen and throttle this ass. This is how I looked at Professor Tomoe. I mean, in the original ep- 200 episodes, I'm like, okay, I get why he's doing it. I understand it. Watching Crystal and, and going through the manga, I'm like, you know what? You are worse than Sho Tucker and Shinji Akari combined. Thank oh, you. Oh, dude, 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 you said the Shinji word. <laughs> Gendo. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. It's been a bit of a rough day. I'm sorry. That got weird, dude. No, I admit the best way to look at the professors through um, is probably through a window or a sniper sight. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, okay, not everyone was redeemable, but still. Um, You know, the other thing, Bonnie, that really stood out was how the show was about relationships and caused people to form relationships. That was a huge part of it. Yeah, a lot of people said that the show was the main thing that helped them reach out and bond with people. Mm-hmm. Every group that got mentioned had like one stand-in Usagi that brought everybody together, usually shortly followed by the stand-in Sailor Jupiter. Yeah, there, there was people that said that um, 
they really hadn't had important connections before in their lives. And then, you know, they could just see somebody like sketching Usagi and it was an instant conversation starter. Oh, yeah. And so many people made friends through this. And it's a show about friendship. I think that tied to the diversity in that it said it was okay to be friends with people not like you. A lot of people that felt like outsiders realized they could have friends. Um, there were a lot of women that related to Sailor Jupiter because they weren't, you know, petite. They weren't fitting stereotypes. They were big. They were strong. And she said it was okay. They, I think Sailor Jupiter is a great example of a contrarian character because she basically comes off like a former gang member who can cook. And she's a wonderfully example of how the show is just these wonderful different characters. And women related to this. And they could be friends with different people. It was okay to not be the same. And another thing is this show came around at the same time the internet was launching. Oh, yeah. Which is another big aspect of the book. And for the first time, people could reach out and make friends with people all around the world who were also in who also had fallen in love with the show. Mm. Um, they could learn more about the Japanese culture as well, yeah. if that was the way they oh, wanted to. We, we have a whole chapter just on Japan. Saw that. Yep, yep. Read that. Very cool. We couldn't, we kind of couldn't leave Japan out. We realized this. <laughs> people would notice. But yeah, um, it, there was the, there were people that could hunt up information of the show, especially when the schedule was erratic. Um, they learned more about the show. People were downloading clips. There was Hitoshi Do's site. From what I can tell, Hitoshi Do should have a shrine built to him and possibly a small religion. I second that. I still have that bookmarked. There were fan subs. Yeah. Oh, we talked to one person that had become a tape trader. And they're like this whole underground economy of, you know, Sailor Moon fan subs going around. It was... Um, yeah, someone stole all of our stuff. <laughs> Well, you can find them online. Just be careful. What you <laughs> we were sending them out to a friend, and the, the post office Somebody decided went to go shopping. Christmas shopping and took every last one of them. All that got back to us was the address of on the box. So somewhere out there are old Sailor Moon tapes. Mm -hmm. Every and you should tell that person they're such a professor to my. That's my new insult today. You look like the kind of person that would turn his daughter into cyborg, then channel a Lovecraftian deity into her body at a high school. <laughs> Put a parasite into her. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that part I said about compassion maybe doesn't go as far as that guy. It's like, wow, you make Nihelania look normal. <laughs> and she turns animals into psychic sex criminals. <laughs> Honestly, they had issues. Hawkeye, fisheye, and tiger eye were more normal than her. She likes to take over people's brains by entering a shard into their eyeball. Yeah, but snappy sense of fashion. Uh, anyway, well, a booby sense of fashion. <laughs> yeah, well, that, hey, that's that's pretty common for Sailor Moon villainesses. Well, she looks at herself in the mirror all the time. What do you expect? True. She's just insecure, and that's why she evolves animals into hideous mind rapists. And that's why she's the dark side of the moon. Yes. All right, reeling it back in. Pink Floyd joke incoming, people. Nice. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel this one back in. 
So we were told to prepare questions, and you actually covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about, but I do have one la last one, little one left. So you've talked about um, basically what brought you to write this book, you know, a late night not conversation. What do you hope to accomplish by putting this book out there for everybody to read? I, Bonnie, why don't you go first? You say it so well. Well, I think that we want to basically shine a light on something that no one's shown a light on before. Uh, we want to open up the dialogue among fans so that they can all share their own experiences. Um, we want people to look at this book and, like, maybe see themselves. Because, you know, it is such a profound impact and it really has not been brought to light before i want people to stop looking at sailor moon as background noise because i think show i think a lot of stuff especially shows and properties with female leads gets forgotten sailor moon was foundational to anime fandom foundational to internet fandom foundational to a lot of people and pop culture matters and you know i see a few things in there i want to do that stuff. And also, I want to inspire other people to write these things. I want other people to dive into their fandoms, take 15 months, self-publish a book. Let's start looking at this stuff. But also, let's pay attention to shows like this that they're not background noise. They're foundations. And they're not and the jokes either. Oh, God, no. People's lives, there are people alive today because Sailor Moon existed. Mm-hmm. Because they, there are people who probably would have been suicidal or whose lives would have gone anywhere. And we can write the show off as something funny. There's many a joke about Sailor Moon. There's nothing to laugh at after this. I mean, I joke a lot, but I take the show a heck of a lot more seriously after writing this book. And there's very little I can't be sarcastic about, though I do reserve sarcasm for Jadeite and certain selected villains. Uh, Jadeite deserves the sarcasm. He honestly just needed a red-haired woman with a whip and a talking cat, and he would have been fine. <laughs> wow speeches posing wearing dresses he would get into that kind of thing bonnie occasionally bonnie and i have actually thought about doing a book on pokemon but i think we could probably still get an entire book out of team rocket fandom oh god well if you're following the manga that woman would have actually been mars and and yeah i can yeah, see her with I, I, anyway well, considering her her thing is i'm going to chastise you hmm in high heels. Right? I am We're going to ask you in high heels. We're going to a weird place here, aren't we? I'm up for it. It always <laughs> goes to a weird place with us. It started I with a in the purple sparkly golf cart. Yeah. I would pay money to see the purple sparkly golf cart, and Chris, honestly. forget Tuxedo Creamer. No! Oh. <laughs> Do, do, do I, you have I want there? you to note, I am not going to search for tuxedo creamer on the internet. <laughs> oh, God. No, I wouldn't either. I no. Wouldn't. No, don't. Just don't. <laughs> Mixing coffee by day. No, anyway. Uh, the, 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 yeah, with the book, we, we want to get people to look at this fandom, and we'd love to see more studies of it. And we also want to see people... I, Look, any, anybody can self-publish. I know I'm anybody. I've got like 10 books out. Um, but all you people out there, all you fans, everyone listening to me right now, 
you could go dive into your fandom to a special part of it and do a book on it and do your little contribution towards the community and history. Go do it. If you have questions, ask Bonnie and I. Go to stevensavage.com. You can contact us through the contact page, and we'll tell you how to do it with about 30 bucks of software. Um, but go go record your fandom's history. These people here in this podcast, they know history. And Tuxedo Creamer. <laughs> Still not looking it up. Ow! I got hit. Hey, you know, there's two more things we could probably cover, Bonnie. Do you, uh, do you guys mind if we go on a bit more? Yes, go for it. Yeah. Okay, because okay, we could joke about golf carts, but um, the the other thing and tuxedo to- creamer. Yeah. No, this is about you and your book and what you're bringing to the community. So thank you. It's please. All turning into tuxedo creamer if we're not careful. <laughs> anyway. But the, the, the two final things we found, and what's funny is we went through all nine of the chapters, we'll have gone through all nine of the chapter subjects, and we did not we did not pick nine chapters. It actually happened by accident. It was originally eight, but um, and originally seven, but we kept splitting one. Um, there's people found job and life opportunities through the show, and also a lot of people use this to learn more about Japan or go there. And the two kind of tie together because we met translators who got into this because of Sailor Moon, web designers, cosplayers, people running conventions, and a whole bunch of people that went to Japan because they got their interest through this show. In some cases, both. Their job in Japan was because of Sailor Moon. Which has got really weird. Because we do a cosplay business based off of Sailor Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Sailor Moon, I can say. Preaching to the choir. (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah! All hail Savior Luna. Praise Serenity. Now it's Luna. Look, really, it comes down to the heroes of the show are Luna and Artemis, two overworked cats, which are the hardest working cats in human history because cats don't work. <laughs> but no, the I didn't say yeah. We we saw so many people, Bonnie, whose lives were actually changed and found jobs thanks to this show, which um, was mind blowing and wonderful. Yeah, we, we had one person who, um, her interest in Sailor Moon led her to be on a con staff. And since she was brought in at the last minute to pick up for somebody that had left, she had something like 24 hours to completely <laughs> redesign the con booklet. Yeah, with, with got, a few people's help. And it got her a job at a university publication service. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, a lot of what I write on myself is I run on geeky jobs. And um, Sailor Moon, a lot of the fandom just pretty much embodies everything I've ever put down to paper. And it's funny that I wrote, I, you know, Bonnie, I wrote this book after I'd written all these other books on fandom. And I'm like, wow, wish I'd seen all this before. But it has so many, so many people just did more with their lives because of this one crazy show with things like shoe monsters. Still up there with 10 strangest things they ever threw into that animated series. Is there a particular story that really sticks with you out of all of the people you've interviewed? Hmm. I would have to say, Bonnie, the person that became a sex assault counselor because of the Sailor Moon was one of her inspirations. That really reached us both. Yeah, uh, that was the same thing I was going to say. <sighs> yeah. I mean, she's, she said that she wanted to be like Usagi, and Usagi's goal in life was to help people. And this is the way she found to help people. And that's a very Usagi thing to do. Yes. 
It's very what? Very moving. Um, the first time I did a, a panel on this at KrakenCon in the Bay Area, I, I had to solo it because Bonnie wasn't able to dial in because we live across the country. Um, I, when I started seeing people react to the what we found in the book, because the book wasn't finished yet, I actually got a bit choked up because they started sharing their stories in the panel. And you start feeling very small when you write this stuff. And there's this big shadow behind you. And it's wearing no dongos. Yep. <laughs> and next to it is tuxedo creamer. <laughs> yeah. Not letting that one go. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've we've joked a lot. But you guys have this podcast that's run how many years? And there's fan art and cosplay and people still inspired. Um, you know, Sailor Moon in one form or another is going to be here when we're dust. We wouldn't have sail we wouldn't have the big hits like My Little Pony or Steven Universe without Sailor Moon. You know, it's it's humbling. Yeah, it, it's kind of it it's probably not a huge stretch to say that Sailor Moon was one of the things that made American media safe for girl power, along with Xena and Buffy. It's sort of like because of the triumvirate of Xena, Buffy, and Sailor Moon, we now have um, heroines like Katniss and Ray. Yeah. And I would even say one of our interviewees would put Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl in that vein. I could do I mean, it. Both, both those are very Sailor Moonish heroes, and they're human. They're a bit goofy. They save the day. Um, I would very much put them in that vein. And I think the influence is, you know, the influence is there after everyone here is gone. Sailor Moon's impact is going to be felt. I guess in a way that was why it was really nice to write the book, because that's our contribution to that. And hopefully, you know, after everyone reads it, you'll get to hear more of their stories. Maybe there could even be a second book. <laughs> That would be kind of cool, because I'm sure there will be a lot of people willing to share with you their experiences. What would we call it, Bonnie? Her even more eternal moonlight? Too eternal, too moonlight? Mm -hmm. Eternal <laughs> moonlight, too electric boogaloo. I'm, I'm going, I'm liking that one. Eternal moonlight, the rise of tuxedo creamer. Um, God. Well, it's not as bad as the Moon Kingdom's uh, network services or their um, health care plan. <laughs> Please lay it on us. Well, this is in reference to one of the episodes we talked about, you know, where they sneak uh, cheap use out the hospital and we're trying and we're discussing how are they able to do that? How are they able to pay for that and so forth, you know? No, how do you take yeah. a dead or almost go. dead child out of a hospital? Yeah, that's what that was. It's all paperwork. <laughs> the bureaucracy of, of the country. <laughs> <laughs> Did you fill out form I-912, removing nearly dead pink-haired child? Ah, oh, what the heck, I believe you. You have cats. Actually, I want to see a Sailor Moon story from Luna and Artemis's point of view, because that'd be like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead territory right there. <laughs> I can tell you this. Artemis would be very cantankerous, screaming at Minako on a regular basis, you know? How is that yeah. different from Sailor V? Yeah. How is that different from Luna screaming at Usagi? But in my vision, Artemis will be this cantankerous old man, and he can't start his day without a cup of coffee, and if Minako comes before a cup of coffee, he he might just throw something at her. 
Right? So he's, he's tapped out. Well, he's why tapped. am I envisioning him saying, I'm getting too old for this shit? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> okay. So, the, so just, Artemis, somebody now has to draw that as fan art. Me this image yes. of Artemis holding a gun, cocking it, I'm getting too old for this shit. It's like, followed by someone going, how is a cat able to hold a gun? Of course, then they still have their time kid, which just gets even more complicated. But again, timey wimey Sailor Booney. But yeah, the um, this this was a heck of an experience, and I will say, Bonnie and I have another book planned. It is not about Sailor Moon. We're not going to spill the subject yet, but we're going to study another fandom. And um, I suppose, Bonnie, though, you know, we have considered a sequel Sailor Moon book. Yes, we have. Ooh. Dark Side of the Moon. Oh. Moon Pies. I do not search for Sailor Moon Moon Pies as well on the internet. It will go as well as Tuxedo Creamer. Mako Chan's already got that covered. No. Uh, not, not listening to you. No, not going there. <laughs> yeah, try to imagine researching this book and doing Sailor Moon searches online. That got really weird. Oh, I'm sure it did. Also, what's funny is there's a split in books we read on anime history. There's a certain point where uh, later books just start disregarding it. It was really strange. So um, our bibliography is very light because after a while, it's like, oh, it's this thing women like. I'm like, oh, your scholarship sucks. Those books that sucked did not make it into the bibliography. Yeah, a lot of scholars just tend to brush the series off entirely. They tend to think of it as some feather white Featherweight, featherweight thing that really didn't have an impact, and they just go on for chapters and chapters about Evangelion. And it's like, um, yeah, Sailor Moon had just as big an impact. You just need to look a bit deeper. I would like to note that unlike Evangelion, Sailor Moon doesn't want to make me punch most of the cast in the face. <laughs> Extra plus there. It's kind of like, wow, I'm rooting for the angels. I want everyone to bite it. It also didn't make me see things in the carpet. <sighs> and having a penguin didn't really make a difference in the end. No. A waste of a good penguin. <laughs> that that sounds like a really scary Evangelion fanfic. Waste of a good penguin is, wow. But yeah, Sailor Moon was, I think its impact is much much larger in a way evangelion has like this thing people mention but i don't see where it touched people as much as sailor moon mm -hmm. other than to give people nightmares yeah like i said all stuff in the oh, like episodes of crystal can't do that for you jeez let me repeat the previous the previous sailor saturn arc if you really want to have trouble sleeping but then, so, to me, at that point, I would go, did you read the manga? Mm -hmm. Then I would either hear... So just, just like Steven Universe, it ends with a magical child being raised by three space lesbians. So, there's... Some... <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. Exactly. Everything comes down to space lesbians. The greater garnet theory of phantom. <laughs> <laughs> well, now... Well, you, the, the 
the, the joke that um, Sailor Pluto's garnet orb was made by fusing together the ruby orb and the sapphire <laughs> orb. Oh. Don't, don't forget that we also have uh, the two witches who split into red and blue, which is like, yeah, I'm seeing the influence there. I should note, Bonnie and I are both big Steven Universe fans. Yeah. Well, uh, well our... there's heavy yes. influence in Tenna as well. Oh, right, Steven. Oh, Her yeah. it just looks like, and, and Rebecca Sugar is flat out of it, but she's begin to Tenna. Oh, it's it's beautifully obvious. So yes, <laughs> yeah, Steven Universe is a show that you could probably do theses on to analyze all its influences. We actually give it a sub chapter call out in the book because it is one of these shows majorly influenced by Sailor Moon. Yeah. Plus, it's the interesting joke of this image of Tuxedo Mask holding rose quartz over his head, yelling, "Who's laughing about throwing roses now?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody out there, draw that, please. <laughs> now, considering what we've learned about Rose, she would probably be into being thrown like a weapon. <laughs> everything else, apparently. <laughs> no, seriously, the actress they hired for Rose is marvelous. But, um, yeah, so, but, yeah, that's, I guess that's the book, and that's what we've done. I wish we could say more, but the funny part was it was so simple and you know, this almost archetypical experience in so many ways for people. And it had a kind of a beauty in its simplicity in what we found. Yeah, it, it was, it, it's something that manages to be at once both simple and complex because there's the simplicity of the shared experiences, but then when you go into each person's experience, you know, then you see the complexity of their individual the individual influences of Sailor Moon. It's kind of like there's these broad patterns that lead to these very specific personal experiences. It's this, I mean, I hate to say, use the word Jungian casually, but it is kind of Jungian. There's these archetypes in force with unique manifestations, but easily traceable. And uh, yeah, like I said, it was, it was really humbling. Um, we can joke about a few things here, like jadeite and tuxedo mask, but you can't joke about the impact it had. And Not I at all. Yeah, we don't want to make it sound like it's a downer or anything. We had a blast doing this thing, um, laughing about stuff, finding weird patterns. I still love the, the woman who met her husband through Sailor Moon fandom. We joke in the book that he's not prone to amnesia or getting kidnapped, which puts her ahead of Usagi. Mm. But... We, uh, well, okay, we don't know for sure, but we're going to assume she would have brought it up. But, you know, it, it's not a downer, but it's it's a serious thing. And that's why we're really looking forward to people reading it, because the book uh, drops at the very end of September. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing people's reactions. You know, maybe we'll have to put the other book on hold and write a sequel. And if we're anything like the creator of Sailor Moon, maybe we'll be five books in going, are we going to ever stop this? Mm. Book four, Chibi Uses Misunderstood, a 200-page thesis. <laughs> Book five, Tuxedo Creamer and Sailor Sugar Bowl. Check, please. <laughs> Bonnie, you're writing that one on our, your own if you do it. I'm just going to note that now. <laughs> Steve's limits here, and that's about where it goes. <laughs> 
but I would like to mention that we do have a web page for the book at www.hereternalmoonlight.com. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's Her Eternal Moonlight. Um, it's also at my press site, Informotron. Or, um, and uh, I'll also mention at my website, stevensavage.com. And one thing we need to call out is our cover artist. If you go to hereternalmoonlight.com, um, it'll redirect you to the book page. You'll see the cover. Our cover artist, uh, Jennifer Cox, was absolutely amazing. Uh, she does the, She's at this website called Dancing Heron. And, oh, she did this kind of Greco-Roman Art Deco cover that just blew us away. Um, I'm so proud of the work she did on it. In fact, it's funny, we met her at the Fanime we discussed this at. And then it's like, yeah, that's great. Let's have her do the book cover. And then we're, we suddenly have a book in mind. But yeah, she's like, she's just, she captured the book in art form. She's incredible. And we probably should thank Kaylin Iverson, our editor, too, who did not have an easy job. No. Because she wasn't exactly a big Sailor Moon fan, so we dumped this on her. I think she, I mean, she'd seen it, but I don't think she'd like really been into it. And she just, wow, she really caught what we were trying to do. Um, she's actually editing another one of my books, in fact. She's so good. So, you know, there's so many people to credit for this and all the interviewees. Yes, um, I think so. the yeah. interviewees are the book, so definitely, definitely we want to credit them. Yeah, and they were willing to share so much. I mean, Bonnie and I were scribes, really. We just put it all into a, the big picture. And it, if you guys are listening now or in recording, thanks, thanks, folks, for being there. We're glad that you let us do this. Hey, you know between all of us we've been in the fandom for a long time and we love it so much and it's like for me doing the podcast is my way to give back to the community you know it's good to hear it from totally different points you. of views and so forth you know one of the things one of my hobbies is a random generator site called seventh sanctum and that's one of my ways for giving back for creative people um it's worth it in fact i you know, everyone out there your fandom means something go do something it doesn't have to be a book or a podcast but Help run a con. Do something. This stuff matters. <laughs> I, I think the next time I help run a con, somebody's going to have to put a gun to my head. <laughs> um, would it be uh, a white cat named Artemis? Because we discussed that previously. Oh, now, I, that white cat named Artemis knows better. <laughs> you're getting too old for this shit. Yeah. And then Luna uh, goes, I, you're never too old for this shit. I measure my fandom age by who I can cosplay. And as I recently was Mayor Dewey, I think that's a sign I'm getting old. You can Especially when you realize you're doing a largely photo-accurate Mayor Dewey by just wearing a suit. So, my next costume will be a variant of Grunkle Stan from Steven Universe that I'm working on. Hey, kids! Well, have you ever seen Thunderbolt Fantasy? I've the never seen it. The crazy Japanese samurai puppet show? Sounds familiar, but I don't think I've seen it. I'm doing what I call Thunderbolt Stan to see. Stan is a samurai. Because why not? Someday I'll be able to cosplay him by just going to my closet. <laughs> well, now. Not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I don't need the words going to the closet and gravity falls to come into my mind. I've seen enough disturbing fan art as it is. Thank you very much. But yeah, it's, you know, you, we all get a little bit older. That's another thing. If you're an, a, an elder fan, like some of us here, writing is a great way to give back without staying up for, with no sleep for three days, helping run a convention. Yeah, I did that stint about 10 years ago. I will not go back. <laughs> I know eventually I'm probably going to be back on a con staff, but um, in limited capacity. I'm a project and program manager, so there's a lot I can do, but I don't think I can actually run the con at the con if you get my drift. Gotcha. Yeah. I so was very blessed to work with the one and only Erie Con back in 2003. I was their vice chair. Wow. I'm one of those older fans. I think we all are. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I think when we staff conventions, it's like, so when do we get the drink? Yeah, well, that, that's why I like being a guest or speaker, because I can start drinking and it just improves my performance. There's, as Bonnie and I once learned, I should not drink plum wine right before a serious discussion of publishing. Yeah. I can't remember that panel. <laughs> oh, that's not good. And then there was the time when, at okay. one particular con, I decided that it would be a good idea to do eight panels. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, my God. I don't remember any. Yeah, we, we've we done so many cons. Uh, Anime North, Ohio Con, Kraken Con, Thanime. Um, we have so many times we signed up for too much. Though uh, we are going to be... We're probably going to take this panel on tour um, at some point, especially if the book does well, because we definitely want to speak at more cons and, you know, share this with people. Uh, so, and hopefully, Bonnie, we'll be doing it Fanime next year, because I think we got the patter down straight. We can show them this podcast to show that we're interesting. Yes. <laughs> as long as Tuxedo Creamer doesn't come into the picture. <laughs> You're not allowed to people. The bad fun. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephen and Bonnie, I would like to thank you for coming on to our show here and uh, telling us about your book. And uh, you, what, do you have an exact date on when the book is going to launch, or is it just right now at the end of the month? Uh, it's going to be around the 30th, give or take a day. It's a pretty crazy month, and uh, you never know, but it's going to be very much the end of the month, give or take a day or two. <laughs> Um, the funny thing is, I have a convention that weekend too, so it's going to be like, well, that's going to be a freaking juggling act. So, we will see how that goes. But yeah, it's it's at worst going to be the first day of October or the second to last day of September. The problem with the self-publishing stuff is, you know, there's certain cases where you get file processing or like a six-hour delay. It gets a little weird. But you know, if you guys, you'll find it at HerEternalMoonlight.com, and believe me, as soon as that sucker's ready, I'm going to be sending it out, posting to my websites, tweeting about it like crazy. We're going to get this out, and we're going to share these these amazing stories. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I think only, the only reason I'm cautious is I have had so many cases where it's like, oh, this processing took six more hours or there was this last moment thing that I had to change where it's like a three-day book window. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in publishing for a living, so I know there's always something at the last minute. We don't even go through what you're doing right now. 
<laughs> in fact, Bonnie, we can share this. Bonnie was looking at the cover of our current book. It was all ready to go. And she goes, I found an error on the cover. I'd misspelled examination. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> so now she found this Monday. Now I have another copy winging myself its way. So I can just be sure everything's okay. <laughs> and I'm like, how do I misspell examination? And the, the solution is basically by leaving out an I. <laughs> Not my best moment. But yeah, Bonnie, you were very comforting about that. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. <laughs> I had one book that just went out and um, then somebody found these weird micro typos because he's an ed professional editor. So I had to reload the file because eight typos and I still would have felt like a moron if they'd stayed in. But, yeah, thank, thanks for having us. Maybe, hey, maybe we'll come back sometime. Yes, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Hey, you guys are you guys are really amazing. In fact, one of our interview subjects had mentioned you and it's great. It's so great to be here. And we thank you for being with us as well. Take care, everyone. Bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Right. That was fun. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Now on to other news. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 yeah. So, um, the new Sailor Moon musical. Yeah. Pretty pictures. <laughs> yes, very pretty pictures. Ooh. Ah. They really blinged out the flowers. All right. So basically, uh, this one is going to be Sailor Moon, A More Eternal. Uh, it's going to start in October and run in a couple of different theaters until the end of November. Uh, basically, the story is Usagi and her friends are in high school. Yay! And And then I think we all know this, you know, the solar eclipse and the dead moon circus and Pegasus! Yes! And then, OMG, Priest Helios. The horny horse. The horny horse. <laughs> but, yeah, um, we get Golden Crystal and Yay Sailor Guardians. Woo! So, Saya and Yaten, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know you're uber into the musicals. Well, I think I already said my thoughts, and that was shiny. <laughs> well, wow. I'm really excited that they kept the Adders cast because yeah. they were really good. I really did enjoy uh, Shoe and Company. I say Shoe and Company because she's the only one I can remember. <laughs> Shoe and Company. Shoe and Company. <laughs> but um, I haven't, you know, other than pictures, I haven't seen anything of the new Inners cast. And from what I understand, um, the villains, again, are more Taco Bazooka alumni. <laughs> um, and last but not least, from the pictures I've seen coming out so far, it is going to be the Yuhu Show Part 5. Oh, yes. So, oh, yeah. I love Yuga to death, but I'm actually getting kind of tired of this. 
Never thought I'd say that, but I'm getting tired of you guys. Mm. We have like a brief, like, little, and it's like all of them standing there in their costumes, and then you go with a swoosh. Yeah, so that's about all you got so far. You're like, as far okay. as I've seen. I do like the fact that apparently so many people go over to Japan from America to see this thing now. Yep. They put up an English website. Took Not only that, up. but they're actually doing um, English subtitles during one of the shows. They actually did that last time as well. Yeah, they they did. Really? Okay. English yeah. and French, I think, were the two subtitles they did. Yeah, they had the glasses where you could... Yeah. Char, Tristan Citrine posted about them, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, she did. So... So, yeah. So this is us officially saying we've got about a year to get money together to go for when we do stars. <laughs> Why do I picture the two of you going there out of like ab fab? It's that's what I picture. Actually, I don't think I want to see their version of stars live. Because okay. they're probably going to do the manga version and there will be ugly, ugly oh, sobbing. There will be some ugly crying, man. Spoiler alert, the starlights die. Spoiler alert, <laughs> everybody dies. Yeah. God damn it, you two. Don't you realize what y'all just caused? Now, people are start <laughs> screaming at us on Twitter. People are screaming at us on Tumblr. People are start flaming us on email about spoiling Sailor Moon. They call us ableists and all of that shit. Whatever. Okay. Exactly. That's how I feel. What's the rule of thumb like when some like after how long something's been out? Because what's it been like twenty years now, yeah. guys? Come on! Hey, look at this! This is my field of fucks. See how barren it is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and there we are. <laughs> Here's our two cents for the evening. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm just really hoping because we've gone through just in this new section of um, inners two Sailor Mercury's. Yeah. There's only two more shows. They don't have that much further to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know um, the original, original new, um, but the new Sailor Mercury that was supposed to be first got a lot of flack online, and it was either decided by herself or by the show, um, stories vary, that she should step down and away from, uh, away from the musical. Which I think is bullshit because all they did was show her regular picture. They didn't even show her dressed up. So how somebody can say, oh, you're not Sailor Mercury when you can't even see, you know, the costume is I bullshit. Just at least one of the things I saw translated, and again, I can't read it, so I don't know how true it is. Uh, supposedly, some of the Japanese people called her fat, and that's why she left. They posted her picture online and... They were calling her fat, and so she got her feelings hurt, and I can't blame her. And she left. Again, 
That's just a translation I saw on a Tumblr of all places. Well, yeah, they probably but, think so. But it was still fat. She looked anorexic. On a brighter note, so um, positive Tumblr, I, somebody apparently, uh, Satome, the original moon that just got recasted, was out running around and she ran into Anza and got her picture taken. I remember reading, seeing that. That's cool. Yeah, she posted a picture. So last moon and first moon got their pictures together and it was really cute. Yeah, wasn't she out like eating dumplings? Or yes, she like was that? out eating dumplings <laughs> at a festival. I was like, really? Really? Uh, so that was actually pretty freaking hysterical. You. I don't like her singing voice, but she was a very adorable Usagi. She was. Yes, she, she was. I just wanted her to eat a sandwich. That was all. Anywho, so there's our thoughts on the new musical. This is not my favorite arc, so I'm not really all that into it. So, um, when we actually get down to the nitty-gritty of talking about it, how many bottles of um, booze should we have to order? If you give me booze, I'll just fall asleep during it. Okay, how many packs of sugar do we need to give you? <laughs> no, I just need some coffee, and um, tie- you have to tie me to the chair. Um, I, my, my rope skill tying skills aren't all that good but I know a guy <laughs> well you know we have to make it through that arc for Crystal shortly too so well hopefully Crystal should be better and way more tolerable than the original anime was right. because I, you know Chidius actually not. doesn't annoy the crap out of me in Crystal so exactly. we'll see how it goes I just could not make it through that one. <laughs> All right. So, is there anything else that we want to talk about? Have we heard anything about um, any sort of news of when we're going to get more crystal, or is it still on the download? We know nothing. Mm, well, there we are. So, our next podcast will be Love Live. <laughs> no, 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 no. If we were going to do a Love Live podcast, I would have kickstarted it already. You know, Rob who is doing four podcasts. And he's like, you should do another one. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, my thing is, you know, there's definitely going to be another season for Sailor Moon. I don't think they would be coming out with the figure arts for Sailor Moon Crystal at this point if they weren't going to finish off the series. Well, the other half of that is if you take a look at the musical, you can see that the chick is using the brand new Propica that yeah. hasn't been released yet. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, what the fuck is that thing? Kaleidoscope Moon? The Kaleidoscope Moon one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has it in her hand. It's it all is. blurred out and everything, but you know what that is, and you know that she's using a Proplica. Yep, yep, yep. So we've got another Proplica coming. Make room on your table. Fuck. <laughs> room with my wallet. Mm. I have to say, I really, really like Moon's brooch in this, though. Well, all of their brooches are awesome. They giant glittery cart monsters. Fuck. Bling bling. <laughs> the new costumes. Oh. Yeah. 
man, I didn't even want to get started on that. No, shut up. But I mean, it's funny though. I'm not sure if her brooch is a proplica because it's hysterical. Like if you look at all of their brooches, it's like giant heart, giant heart. And then you have moon and it's like, little bit wicked thing. <laughs> yeah, because you have to admit the Proplica brooches have been j- kind of huge. I wonder if they took right. a gosh upon temporarily. Right. I just don't know if that's, is that the real size of the Proplica or are the bows just that damn huge? I think the bows are just that huge. <laughs> because they haven't come out with that Proplica yet. Well, I can tell you right now, we will never commission those freaking things. Mm. Screw you. Make it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> The, the new costumes the look trim, sick. The trims alone, the rhinestone trims and stuff, I mean, it's like, people oh, get it. There's not enough money in the world. So, you invading Fort Knox to pay for this? No. They can't invade. Anyway. Anyway, if there's nothing else that needs to be said, um, everybody say goodbye and tell people where you can be found because pimping ain't easy. Yes. Somebody gotta do it. <laughs> Alright, so we are saying Yaten again and you can find us. Our cosplay page is Kidmoku Revolution. Our uh, business page where we specialize in Sailor Moon props and replicas and whatever. We are starlet.creations. And if you come in during the holiday season, watch for some really good sales. Anyway, we're also on Instagram now, and I post regularly some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, That is Starlet Creation as well as Twitter and Tumblr. Okay. Um... When I'm not doing uh, the Crystal Chronicles with my awesome friends here, you can find me and Mako-chan on Anime Jam Session, which is normally at this time slot of 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And when we're not doing that, we're usually at conventions, hanging out and having a good time. And this weekend, I will be out in Denver at NDK with, uh, with Say and Yaten. And um, I think they're going to do something to me. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, Mako-chan will probably be quite pleased about it. It's Yaten's birthday. That too. Well, that's good. Anyway, anyway, continue. Okie dokie. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks to Anime Jam Session for letting us take over. Thanks to Vogue for hosting our asses for this little bit of time. Um, you can check out the Crystal Chronicles on Facebook. You can check out iTunes. You can check out thecrystalchronicles.com. Listen to some of our past episodes. And hopefully we will be back at some point. And they will, you know, continue on with the anime so we can annoy you guys even more. I think annoy is like an understatement. Freak the fuck out. Close enough. (laughs) So that's us. That's us leaving. And, uh, yeah, Salomon says, see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, since you're leaving, make sure you lock the door when you leave, because I ain't getting up. Do it, lazy bones.
God, what am I going to do with you, Mako-chan? I plead the fifth. Good night, everybody. For more information about this podcast, check us out at thecrystalchronicles.com. Thanks for listening. Podcast no hikari wa no message. Kimi kawa te ashokyo.